0: Welcome to the first edition of the Purple Theory Podcast, a podcast about TCU football, Big 12 football, and college football in general. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I'm here today with my co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, good to talk to you, man.
1: It is good to talk to you, Parker. Uh, how you holding up out there in, uh, in in the big city of Fort Worth? Doing, doing all
0: right. Uh, getting a lot of time walking the dog, uh, trying to maintain a nice work-from-home discipline, uh, but that's a little weird when you... Have a wife and a dog in a 500 square foot studio apartment. So, life uh, life is happening to us right now.
1: Indeed, it is.
0: Yeah, um, great. So, so Grant, it's been a little bit since we've been on the microphone. Um, in fact, right before the last game of the season, and then we recorded one more episode, but it was lost to the uh, it was lost to the internet. It's gone forever. Much um,
1: much like the Wu Tang Clan, we're going to make one copy of the album and sell it exclusively to Martin Shkreli. Yes, five hundred um, so million on, dollars. Yeah, be on the lookout for that.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Grant, what are we? What are we doing here? Um, I think that's the first question to start. Last season, we did a podcast, um, really as an adjacent podcast to the Frogs of War podcast, on their same feed, just special episodes. And so, this kind of marks the official transition away from the Frogs of War feed, um, but with the still with the same great content. Um, obviously you want to listen to Jamie and Melissa on the Frogs War podcast in season and out of season. This will be a, an adjacent and a compliment and, um, a, a different feel than that podcast. And we're just going to have all of our episodes in the, in the same feel, uh, in the for same sure. feed, excuse me. Did, yeah, did I sure. cover that? Did I cover that well, Grant? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I definitely still listen to, uh, uh, the Frogs War podcast with Melissa and Jamie for sure. Still listen. This is As you're accustomed to, if you listen to uh, the Stats Award podcasts of old, going to have a statistical bent to it, Um, but at the same time, we're going to expand the horizons a bit to the Big 12 um, and sort of act as a guide, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, for for TCU fans to know what the Frogs are getting into this season, um, If again, if this season is played at all, and when appropriate, casting a wider net out into the greater college football landscape. We can get trends, stuff like that, and uh, just just kind of taking a wider scope, I think, than what we did uh, on on the old feed.
0: Definitely, um, and I'm really excited about that. You know the 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 stats and stories is kind of a mm-hmm. cliche, but um, really feel like Grant and I bring together two unique skill sets, and so we're super mm-hmm. excited to continue to make great content. Um, this off season, Grant and I are talking about all sorts of things. We've got a couple guests lined up. We've got some team previews for the big 12. We're going to go through, we're going to do in-depth previews, offense and defense for TCU, break down the schedule, maybe even, um, given that there's no other sports going on, watching a couple old TCU games and reliving those, um, for better or for worse on on podcast episodes. So really excited about this off season content. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to be podcasting again and, and kind of rolling.
1: Yeah, and if you have any ideas, hit us up on Twitter, um, in the reviews of the podcast, whatever. But let us know what you want us to cover. Like I said, Parker and I uh, have a lot of good ideas, and we're excited to get to them. But if you, uh, if you have something you want us to cover, you know, let us know. Definitely.
0: Um, and we'll continue to do Q&A and all that, too, and mm-hmm. solicit those. But also, until there's actual football being played, uh, we're kind of in the Wild West. So any entertaining hypotheticals or subject uh, matter, all about that. Um, as long as it's TCU College Football Big
1: 12-centric. Exactly.
0: So, uh, let's tie a bow on the housekeeping. That was probably an entertaining four minutes of podcasting, but um, just letting everybody know what we're doing here. Um, pretty much the same thing we were doing, just a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first thing I want to talk about, because we, we didn't really get a chance to release our thoughts to the public, the 2019 TCU football season. Uh, TCU had a disappointing season. Uh, stumbling down the stretch and ending up five and seven, missing a bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. TCU finished sixth in the Big Twelve in SP plus, a per play efficiency metric. They were forty third overall, and they were sixth in the conference in the free now efficiency index, which is a drive based ind- uh, index of success um, or efficiency. But they were fortieth overall, so not a, not a terrible season. But if you think about the Power Five being sixty five teams. Um, the five major com- major conferences and Notre Dame, TCU was in the bottom half of the Power Five, which is uh, not not where the Horned Frogs are used to being. Certainly not where the Horned Frogs are used to being in back to back seasons. So Grant, big picture, 2019 season, um, man, kind of kind of crazy. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, very crazy. Uh, you you can't really look at the season without talking about turnover and not just the ones that were thrown or dropped on the field. Um, obviously, TCU had a total of, you know, I mean, Alex Delton left, Michael Collins left, Sean Robinson left. Uh, three quarterbacks leave kind of mid-season or just at the tail end of the season. And that's a big deal. Um, that's kind of what you look at overall this season. And we'll talk about what we think the memories of 2019 will be on down the road. But I think this year really was a a reset. And I think TCU has to hope it's a reset um, and that and that the Frogs will trend upward uh, um, going forward. But yeah, as far as 2019, it really was just, okay, these are the pieces we have. Thank you for your service, Jalen Rager. Thank you for your service, Jeff Gladney and, and Lucas and Yang. But this is what we have going forward. They went five and seven in the first year is a big bunch. And we have to hope that the progression happens. And at this point, with no sports around, you can either talk yourself into a sinkhole, which Parker has been doing all week on Twitter uh, and, and tweeting the most depressing moments uh, of TCU history, or you can look at it as, okay, it's only up from here, and you can pick your your, your viewpoint.
0: Okay, well, let's do that. Let's entertain that. Uh, one, I did not mean to get as negative on Twitter today as I did, and I just kind of found myself there. Um So if we're looking back on the 2019 season, uh, let's say in 2023, so four seasons from now, um, a full recruiting class development cycle away, um, when we look back, if we're looking back fondly, if things have gone well, what's kind of the rosy version of 2019? What's the, oh, remember this was happening? What's kind of the narrative, Grant, that, that we can really talk about looking back at 2019 in the arc of TCU's football history?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be the breakout moment for players that ha- will have etched their names into the TCU history books, right? So uh, Max Duggan, you know, obviously his stats don't look good, but he had the moments. And in 2023, hopefully we'll look, look back and say, look, he was showing those flashes even in 2019 when everything went downhill. Our uh, Darius Washington, uh, you know, he was showing those moments, five interceptions, Big 12, I think defensive uh, freshman of the year, even back in 2019 when everything went downhill. Um and so this this is the launching pad. Ideally, this is okay. They assessed what they had. They brought in Jerry Kill as a special assistant to Gary Patterson, whatever that means. Uh, they brought back Doug Meacham to help on offense, and that all clicked. Everything worked, and uh, those 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 kind of those two guys, Duggan and Washington, on, on both sides of the ball, turned into when you make the TCU, you know, top 100 players of all time, they're going to be up there in the top 30, top 20. And you saw that potential in 2019. Am I wrong? I mean, am I talking to you? I mean, I know that's the rosy view, but there is potential, Parker. Absolutely. I
0: think I could talk myself into this. So um, two things. One, a tweet from uh, Pro Football Focus College earlier today. The two highest graded safeties in 2019. No qualifiers other than safeties in 2019. This is not Big 12. This is not freshmen. This is not underclassmen. This is all safeties. Number one, Trayvon Murray. TCU 92.1 overall grade. Number two are Darius Washington TCU 91.7 uh, overall grade. Those are the good? two best safeties in the country. That's real. Good um, lord. So there's, there's your narrative right there. Couple that with six of these losses were one score losses. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single one of them involved something catastrophic and boneheaded. So mm-hmm. you can go through one by one uh, if we want to relive these moments. But oh let's, you know what? Let's nope.
1: do it. but okay. Real quick. Give the one sentence. I mean, start with SMU. That's obvious. Okay. 4th
0: uh, and, uh, 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 yes. yeah, and 1 Yeah, 4th and 1 took Shaywo, ran the wildfire. I'm going to cut all this. SMU yeah. brought Alex Delton in to run, took Alex Delton out, and had Shaywo throw a pass. Uh, disaster. That, would, that was the game. Kansas State, blocked punt, and then the Skylar Thompson mm-hmm. run at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma State, really Two, hates you
1: Hubbard runs.
0: I, I mean, well that I was gonna I was gonna put it on John Stevens Jr. dropping the ball, uh, uh, yeah. literally and figuratively. I yes. think if TCU comes back and scores in the third quarter, they pull away. That was just wind out of the wings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, Baylor Max was in, um, or mm-hmm. the David Balsami holding penalty,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and then OU uh, the offense just couldn't score, and there was a controversial first down at the end of it, yep. um, and and then West West Virginia. I don't think everybody quit weird, and no one was happy. Yeah, there was not a weird moment in West Virginia. It was just everyone thought it was going to rain, and so no fans came, and the players didn't really play hard, and it was weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you could you could legitimately explain away the losses as okay, young team. This was a break glass in case of emergency season with Max Duggan. Um, he was probably supposed to redshirt this year, and um, came through and won the starting job, and is going to be TCU starter for for the for the future. So I think this is you know. That that moment against Texas, where he ran and got the touchdown, and immediately mm-hmm. threw his, threw his frogs up. I think this this season that kind of encompasses this for Max Duggan. It was the beginning of his uh, an excellent career, um, even if it wasn't an excellent year, uh, st- stats wise. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the Rosie version: uh, this was the worst year for wide receiver drops that TCU has ever had, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that hopefully is the case that this was the worst year and it will only get better.
1: Can I ask you this? Do you know the? I mean, I'm sure you don't have the exact stat off the top of your head or maybe you do, but do you know how those drops are regarded in the stats community? Are they luck or are they kind of a more systematic thing? Is is there a high variance there between year to year for receivers?
0: Yeah. So I I think there's high variance and um, I, I've done, done a little digging on some free trials of some, some better advanced Data, um, and I've seen like seven drops, and that Max Duggan was like at sixty-eight or seventy percent catchable or on-target passes. Okay. Um, so some of it was QB for sure, but but I think there were seven to ten just outright. Oh, Max Duggan should have, or Max Duggan should have had a completion and possibly mm-hmm. a touchdown there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, as you see from year to year, that's catches are something that can be improved. There's there's right. talent that lets you, you know, go up and put two fingers on the ball and, and pull it in fully extended. And then there's, hey, TCU players were just dropping the ball, hitting their hands, yeah. and that is definitely fixable. So as long as it's an emphasis, I think that'll um, yeah.
1: improve. And, and, I I mean, I asked this because, you know, I, I was kind of hard on, um, I think it's to Valence Hunt earlier in the season, and then he made that catch in the end zone against Baylor um, in the first overtime. So, yeah, like, but I
0: mean, I mean... He, he got a little better over the season, but I don't know. He did, he did.
1: And, <laughs> I, I, again, I'm not trying to to say anything bad about Tavale. I, I just, This is the real deception.
0: Had... Sorry, you're right. He did improve yes. over the season.
1: Yes, that's that's what I meant. He, he got better as it went on. And, and that's what I mean. I, I think he's going to be good. I just mean I was, I was hard on him earlier in the year. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, two more things I feel like we would be uh, neglecting if we didn't talk about this. Uh, one Tay Barber's coming out party. Um, mm-hmm. His 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 arrival on the scene is is pretty awesome, um, and I think that's that's pretty great just to see what he can be when he's healthy, and for him to have a full off season with Max Duggan. Full off season in quotes. Who knows what that looks like? Um, and then the second thing is is TCU really felt like they were getting in a groove uh, right about the Texas game, kind of finding themselves. And, yes, Texas had defensive issues and played an extremely stupid game and and in a lot of ways gave that game to TCU. But TCU capitalized on it, and that's important. Uh, That was also Lucas Niang's last game. And you saw the offensive line just implode after that. Mm -hmm. Um, Understandably, guys were moving around. Depth got a lot thinner. The experience level went way down just by taking Niang out. And so um, I think next year, TCU's got some – Grad transfers coming in at at tackle, which will be really, really good to shore up that unit. Also, some guys got some experience, and then you just you just don't expect to have big injuries like that back to back. Um, That that was just something weird that happened this season and really threw off the course.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um. Okay, so now we've done that. We've done the nice version. We've done the. We're positive. Um, things are things are going to improve. Let's look at this negatively. If in 2023, we're looking back on the season as kind of the the linchpin of, of what uh, is linchpin the right word. You're the you're the words
1: guy as the, uh, if, if 2013 is going to be, let's call it the fulcrum. The more fulcrum things, that's right. You know, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of, of TCU's demise, the, the waning years of the Gary Patterson era. Um, what's what's our negative spin on this st- season?
1: So I hate dealing in hypotheticals. That's a lie. I like doing it, but but I'm going to engage in one here. If right, this was sort of the beginning of the end. Then we're going to look back in twenty twenty and in 2023 at all those close losses and say that sh- uh, maybe one or two could have been ascribed to inexperience. But in 2023, if TCU has not improved, it's going to be more of a okay. Look, this system isn't working, and Maybe I don't think it's necessarily the four-two-five. I think you know Patterson's defense. The scheme still limits really, really good offenses. Um, We saw it with Oklahoma this year, um, Baylor as well. But it's more of the whatever the philosophy on offense is. Straight up, cannot you know continue to work. Um, Maybe maybe Cumby caught lightning in a bottle with Javon Boykin, and a little bit with Kenny Hill. Uh, maybe it was just the right time in a weak Big 12 in 2014 or 2015. But if in 2023, TCU isn't regularly competing for a Big 12 title and all these players haven't grown and progressed to where we would expect them to in the optimistic version, it's going to be because the scheme simply doesn't work and that they haven't done enough to fix it. And again, I don't mean that as an indictment now on any coach necessarily. I just mean that in four years, if TCU hasn't gotten there where we want them to be, excuse wow, I turned twelve years old for a minute. Where we want them to be, that's why.
0: I agree. It's it it'll be because they doubled down on what didn't work this season. Mm-hmm. They said, you know what, this didn't work, let's do it harder. Yeah. Um yeah, you look at you look at six one one losses, you look or one one score losses, you look at what are probably inexcusable losses to SMU at home and West Virginia at home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and you start to think, okay, losing winnable games consistently means something's going on. Then You think there's going to be potentially three first round draft picks uh, on in the NFL from this team. The talent is there. You have the two highest greatest safeties in the nation. You've got Tay Barber and Jalen Rager and, and a core of really competent tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention a, a two-headed monster in the running back uh, field that no one else can boast that that depth of a, of a one-two punch, and then you have Max Duggan who can consistently bail you out with your legs with his legs um, and make some decent throws when you when you get him in the right s- situation. He started one to of think...
1: the best linebackers in the country as well, Garrett Wallo. Garrett yeah. Wallo.
0: Yep. Uh, I just take I take him for granted because he's just so consistent so and amazing, and he's going to play for TCU for the next fifteen years. Um, and and you start to think, okay, well, the players were good, the games were winnable, what happened? And mm-hmm. you start to look at the offense and everything you said about the scheme and all that. So I think this is kind of that that decision point of this is either the bottom of TC's development cycle and it feels weird because Sean Robinson and Justin Rogers didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And we just had to hit a bump in the road and TCU is back to that 9, 10, 11 wins competing for the Big 12 championship for the next couple of years. Or um, or this is, you know, offense has changed and TCU can't keep up. And Gary Patterson rides out the next four or five years and um, hangs it up saying, you know what, I did great things in the early 2010s and it just didn't go my way. And that's fine.
1: Still a hero, no doubt yeah, about it. Absolutely, Everybody goes out, still absolutely statue yes.
0: justified if Gary goes three and you know three and eight the next. Yeah. I guess you can't go three and eight, three and nine the next three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, 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 oh, go
1: ahead. No, I was I was going to push you on a spot a minute, but finish your thought. Uh, th- no, I was gonna I was gonna transition, so do it. Perfect. So, um, what number? I mean, without delving too much into the schedule, what amount of wins next year? What record does TCU have to have for you to not feel nervous?
0: Okay, so senior quarterbacks, right? Right. Ellinger, Brewer, Purdy. Is Purdy a senior? Yeah. Purdy has to be a senior.
1: Right dude, I, I he's been a senior for like three years. Dude, I, don't, I don't understand.
0: I just, people feel like they're around forever. Yeah. Um, I like that, dude, but feel like they're around forever. Um, okay, so so you got three quarterbacks that are pretty good. All three of those teams are going to be pretty solid. Uh-huh. uh I think Oklahoma State's going to be nasty. Um, we've got returning production. We'll talk about that later. I think West Virginia is going to be a lot better than people mm-hmm. th- are going to think. Um, and I think Oklahoma is going to be very competent. Uh, worst case scenario, they're going to win nine games. So mm-hmm. you start to look at that and think, okay, TCU is not running the table next year.
1: Mm-mm.
0: So I, I look at the schedule. I mean, you beat Cal, you beat SMU, you beat the... Um, you beat your FCS opponent, and then you're looking at four and five in the conference. That gets you to seven wins. You go to the cheese It Bowl. You beat a Pac-12 team. Eight wins feels pretty confident. Uh, if we're if we're scrapping to six and six, that means we lost to uh, a Kansas State, a Kansas, mm-hmm. a um,
1: Cal, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, a Cal or an SMU. Like something something went wrong. Um, and so and so, I really think that seven regular season wins. I think TC's window. Is, is about seven to nine, whereas this year, I think we were kind of talking six to eight.
1: Um, so we we were talking six to eight. And then in the season preview pod, I think we <laughs> talked ourselves into 10. Somehow. I forgot. I need to dig that. Not That's in 10. my
0: notebook. I need to go back and look and see what we did, because I think we were just like, OK, we're going to win that. We're going to win that. We're going to win that. And you're like, oh, I TCU reasonably could have won every game last year. For sure. Um, except For sure. Iowa State, I guess. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, so realistically, I think I think you hit that eight wins with a bowl game, and you think, okay, sure, four win improvement. Um, I I think not as many one score games would be an improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you if you do those two things, you, you win seven seven or eight games in the regular season, and not all seven of seven or eight of them are one score games, then you start to feel pretty good about this development cycle and moving forward. Sure. Um, also, an offense that is not in the bottom third of the nation.
1: Um, <laughs> That'd be nice.
0: Eighty second in drive efficiency, and that's just you. You got to be top fifty, absolute rock bottom. So
1: yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I'm just curious because because we were talking about what progress would look like, and I said no.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what is uh, what is your definite? What, what, what...
1: No, I mean, I, I think yeah. you're right. I, I think any reasonable person looking at this team and looking at the schedule they play, and and like you said, senior quarterbacks coming back in the Big Twelve, um, would say. I mean, an eight-win season would be good. And say eight wins and you poach a win off of, you know, maybe an 11-win Oklahoma State team or you beat Baylor, you beat Texas maybe. And, and uh, both those games are on the road next year. So, um, yeah, I, I think eight wins and you're feeling really great. Seven and a bowl win. You know, maybe you, you blow out a Pac-12 team in the bowl and, and you ride into 2021 feeling pretty high.
0: Yeah. Um, like go play a super weird cheese it Bowl against Oregon State or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, Oregon State's not awesome.
1: going to make a bowl. Apart.
0: Oregon State's going to make a bowl. Their offense is sneaky good.
1: T.J. Husmata is, <laughs> is not walking through that door. Chad uh, Ochocinco is not walking through that door.
0: Jaquez and and uh, what's his name? Jackwes like, Rogers. He, he, uh, he won a
1: high school state title in Texas. He played in the same district as my uh, hometown team.
0: That's awesome. But wait, weren't there weren't there brothers? That, and like, I I feel bad, so I don't want to mess this up. But like, oh yeah, I literally wasn't remember, it like but... Jacquez and Jaquez Rogers.
1: I think so. I, I know yeah. Quiz went to Lamar Consolidated. He was a... Every person I'm talking to from Bay City that saw him play was like, oh, there was no way we were tackling him. But, yeah. Yeah. I, if you want to go to our other podcast where we just talk about mid-2000s Oklahoma, uh, Oregon State players, um, we'll drop the link in the in the description.
0: Yeah, sure. Put that in the, put that in the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, so we're, we're at about 23 minutes. This is normally where we do an ad break. We're independent. We don't have ads right now. We'll mm-hmm. figure that out. But um, yeah, so we're just going to keep moving through, um, and not doing ad break. So good transition. Uh, okay. Talked about 2019 season. Uh, something happened for the rest of the big 12 that didn't happen for TCU, which was bowl season. And Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that from kind of a broader big 12 Mm -hmm. uh, perspective, because I'm going to, I'm going to throw an angle at you, Grant, and then I want you to interpret it.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Here are some results from the 2019 big 12 bowl season. Oklahoma State blows a game to A&M in Houston. O- Oklahoma gets absolutely humiliated by an amazing team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Iowa State gets curb stomped mm-hmm. by Notre Dame. Kansas State gets out-manballed by Navy. Texas wins against a team who thought they were going to the playoff and didn't really care. Baylor gets pythoned against Georgia. Georgia just put them in the vice grip and squeezed. Mm-hmm. And and then, uh, yeah, so, so, so stopping there, only one Big 12 team won a bowl game in 2019
1: mm-hmm.
0: grant is the big 12 bad
1: <laughs> no and here's the thing it, it doesn't matter right so most of those teams when you look okay so oklahoma was not going to beat lsu no team of the country beat lsu we could throw that result out the window that that just doesn't matter um oklahoma state was in that game with a&m like you said they blew it uh so no, I mean that was close enough and Oklahoma State's going to be really really good next season. This was kind of a rebuilding year for them. Uh, Iowa State I think they were disappointed with how their season went judging by some of the preseason projections of them being like, "Oh, hey, this team might win the Big 12," you know, yeah. and they didn't do it. And uh, they were the they were the
0: dark horse for every everybody had them as they the were. sexy, yeah.
1: And they were the darlings and, and listen, they beat the heck out of TCU, but they they I think they weren't as good as they expected to be. Again, Brock Purdy's coming back next year for his 10th season in college football, so they'll be okay. Um, Kansas State and Navy, I refuse to believe any game that happens with any armed service team. Uh, Army almost beat Michigan last year. uh, Was it Army that almost beat Oklahoma as well two years ago when that guy live streamed the game with his feet in front of the TV? Uh, So that doesn't matter. The Texas game does not matter uh, at all because Texas also beat Georgia in a bowl game two years ago, and that Clearly didn't necessarily mean the Longhorns were back. And Georgia's a really good team, and Baylor just ran into a good defense. TCU had a good defense. Baylor scored nine points against them in triple overtime, yeah. or start entered overtime with nine points. Um, so yeah, that that doesn't matter. So no, none of those bowl results matter at all, is my I, opinion. I think nothing. That's, matters, I think that's
0: Parker. fair. Um, worth worth noting as well. Georgia basically played their backups at wide receiver yeah. and running back, and still are amazing. Um, ridiculous program. Yeah, I think I mean you could you could explain a lot of these. Oklahoma State was extremely injured down the stretch. Um, OU wasn't beating wasn't beating LSU like you said, and Iowa State I definitely think was was I mean they beat Texas last year, and yeah. so a little bit frustrating to see Texas go to the Alamo Bowl and then have to go to friggin' Orlando, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: or is it Tampa? No, Outback Bowl is Orlando. Outback Bowl know. is Tampa. Tampa, they're in Tampa. Yeah, I think no, yeah, no, they're they're it's not Tampa. Outback Bowl. It's Russell Athletic Bowl.
1: I'm I'm getting my mid-tier Florida bowl games mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know. It's all the same. It's over there. Yes. Um, I'm pointing east, east for everyone's reference. Good, uh, good podcasting. Um, okay. No- notable about about bowl season as well. TCU, a couple opponents. Cal beat an Illinois team who was just happy to be there. And uh, SMU got boat raced by F uh, by FAU uh, yes. as as Kiffin kind of goes out. Well, Kiffin wasn't even there, right?
1: No, I don't think he was.
0: Yeah. So hey. so smu kind of hit uh someone who did what they did just a little better
1: right so can i ask you two questions yeah one one like semi-serious and then the other one not at all is sam allinger good i mean like he's good but he's not great right
0: he's good in the sense that like gosh who was uh okay wait right, so we have to take a detour to get back to
1: this okay
0: is blake bell a tight end in the nfl
1: yeah, is Blake yeah, Bell is. a blocking tight <laughs> end? Yeah, he's a blocking tight end. Yeah, yeah, the Bell Dozer.
0: I, I think I knew that, but he like just got signed somewhere today, and I I did a double take because I just I'd forgotten about it. Um, he plays for the Cowboys. Yeah, he just got signed with the Cowboys. That's why that's mm-hmm. why I saw it. Uh,
1: he won a Super Bowl ring with the Chiefs.
0: I think that's more Super Bowl rings
1: than I have. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: More Super Bowl rings than Sam Ellinger. I think that. Sam Ellinger is good. He's like Blake Bell, but he can throw better. Okay. And he's probably a lot better of a decision maker. So, okay. I, I, you know, I've done a lot of stuff with like, all right, how did my, my previous series last year was um, down by down of, of NFL or uh, big 12 teams and looking mm-hmm. at how, you know, how do they do on first down, second down, third down and yards gained and all that. And Texas is just consistently like averaging 4.8 to 5.2 yards per play. They just weren't, like, super explosive. Um, and a lot of that is because Ellinger can can save you, and they do a lot of design yes. runs for him, especially in bigger games. Um, you know, but he was, he was 15th in QBR last year. You know, quality of, like, Davis Mills, Anthony Gordon, um, mm-hmm. cl- uh, you know, a little lower than Keaton Slovis, but better than Ian Book, better than Jake Fromm. A lot of that is value of his legs. You know, if you look at... Um, his passing contribution to uh, to his QBR, he falls. Oof, I click. I you know clicked a sort, and he falls so far. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, he falls really far. So a, a lot of that value is his is his legs for sure. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean he's bad. He's a really good college quarterback. I don't think he'll like run up draft boards right. or anything. Um, just because. I mean, yeah. He's, he, he might be able to have this talent set but the herman offense plus the offensive line woes plus the running back woes plus the defensive woes they've had he's just had to you know kind of play junk ball and so I think wow. that's hurt his profile but I think also that's really his skill set
1: no I agree and, and I, I mean I mean the reason I asked is just because I was looking at my Dave Campbell's Texas football the other day and um ellinger was on the cover uh, a good friend Shehan Jayaraja, Raja friend of the pod um wrote the cover story. And we talked a lot about whether or not we think Sam is a quote unquote elite quarterback. And as much as I hate to blame things on media narrative, I think if he didn't play for Texas, we he wouldn't get talked about that much. Um, I, I I like if you had to ask me if I want Brock Purdy or Sam Ellinger as my quarterback, I like I would have to really think about it. That's, like, that's exactly Purdy's... where
0: my mind went. I kind of thought because Brock Purdy. Did not do like, great last year. Brock, Brock Purdy, yeah, he kind of had a bad year. Uh, he, he
1: did. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, then maybe not. But, but I, I just I, I can think of other quarterbacks I would want right. on my roster besides him. And I know there's a ton of narrative around him. I know that he, like, it, by all accounts, is a a good kid and be a good leader. And like you said, can will take hits and run. And those are all extremely valuable things. I just have seen some poor decisions from him, the yeah. TCU game most notable, and I, I, I just kind of question whether or not, and we'll get to this more when we talk about Texas later on in the season, but just because we're running on Big 12 bowl teams, I, I, I don't know if he's as elite as people want him to be.
0: Yeah, and I and I think the Alamo Bowl was a hundred percent his wheelhouse of rah For rah. Sure. Let's let's do this. Let's win this bowl game. Let's get excited. Um, so I think he's going to have a good season. I think he's going to be definitely one of the top four quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. But there's been a lot of guys who have been top four quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. I don't I don't know what that means. So Kenny Hill um, was a top four yeah.
1: quarterback in the Big Twelve at one point. Blake Bell, Trevor Knight. I mean, we, well, we, we can go all day. I mean, I think that's
0: actually who I was going to. I think Trevor Knight. I think Blake Bell is too far back i think i was thinking of trevor because trevor knight was quarterback when tzu beat them in 14 right
1: yeah well yes and then he was also the quarter when they beat uh alabama
0: right in right. the bowl game didn't like didn't trevor knight and blake bell swap from ou to a&m
1: yeah they basically traded right, as far as right. i remember okay. um gosh it was mean, just a wild set of circles i mean like Katy perry was shouting out trevor knight then all of a sudden he wasn't there. it was a whole <laughs> yeah just yeah.
0: walked off and into nothing uh-huh. Um, yeah okay so some, some bowl season thoughts I I generally agree with you I don't think bowls matter very much mm-hmm. um they're fun have fun with them college football's fun the college football playoff ruins our expectations mm-hmm. um but I think that bowls are bowls are generally fun Uh okay so a couple more things I wanted to talk about um have you looked at returning production at all Bill really the guy who does this so I want to get some thoughts about that uh nationally if you want and then and mm-hmm. then Dial it down to the Big 12 and the uh, and, and then to TCU, we can talk about
1: sure, yeah. Um, so uh, obviously, Nebraska winning the Big 10 next year, I think is kind of what we're looking at.
0: Well, you think Minnesota filled the vacuum this year and they're not bringing a lot back? Nebraska, I you know, it's a f- hilarious thing about college football. Adrian Martinez had like good Heisman odds this year.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you think they were good this year? Well, <laughs> wait until yeah, next year, man. If,
0: yeah, Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're 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 bringing back uh, a whole lot. They're seventeenth overall. They're bringing back ninety two percent of their offense and fifty nine percent of their defense. So second most offense returning um, in in the nation. The the Big Twelve or the Big Ten West is one of the easier paths to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you don't have to play the big all three of the teams in the Big Ten East, and you really only have to beat the Big Ten East best team once Mm -hmm. so um yeah i think i think nebraska is definitely a team to watch next year not because i think they're going to be super high quality but because i think they'll be very good and they'll have an easy path
1: yeah and to to be clear i was mostly joking i I live with two people that are huge nebraska fans and all i heard was that adrian martinez is going to win the heisman and that nebraska was going to challenge for the big 10 title this year and that um did not happen no so i was very excited to see that rutgers also 15th in uh, returning production, I don't know what 15% of zero is, or, or yeah. I guess, you know, but.
0: So, so thanks. here's the thing about returning production that is, that is important. Um, if you are bad and you bring everyone back, you're going to be bad again. Right. Uh, and so Rutgers, very much on that. Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, very much on that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Northwestern is going to be <laughs> amazingly bad again this year. Um, I don't know, they, they might have tweaked their offense, but you're just like, okay, you, you weren't bringing back great raw materials. Um, so so there is kind of the caveat here with all of this that it, it really doesn't matter how much you're bringing back so much as what you're bringing back. And this is, you know, these numbers that we're looking at are weighted
1: mm-hmm. towards
0: quarterbacks and towards um, skill positions. But still, uh, yeah, some of these are yeah, a little misleading.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, And one serious thing I will say, um, looking at the nationwide picture before we flip focus to the Bay 12 and TCU, um, I do think for USC coming back, um, Clay Helton obviously kept his job. A lot of people are clamoring for it. But man alive, I mean, they return so much. Keaton Slovis comes back to return the fifth most production of any team in the country. 87% of their defense, which is huge. Um, It wasn't a great defense, but it's, you know, for, for a power five team, there's a lot of four or five stars on there. And, and then, they're in the Pac-12.
0: They can just score a million points. And yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And like you said, you have Slovis coming back, so that really solves a lot of your problems. Uh, I think that's that's really great for them. Also, as much as we've talked about the Big Ten for some reason in the last five minutes, Illinois made a bowl last year and they returned seventy eight percent of their production.
0: They're doing it again, back to back bowls for Illinois,
1: which is cool. Like yeah. honestly, it's cool. Like I honestly, think
0: it's I wouldn't care about them at all except for Lovey Smith and exactly his Santa Beard. So keep it up. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, let's let's focus this back to the Big 12. i kind got to talk about this picture generally. Um, Oklahoma State is bringing back the most offense mm-hmm. and the most defense. I'm just making sure. Yes. Yep. Um, which is funny because I'm going to give you a little bit of credit. You did a series last spring, uh, maybe mm-hmm. last summer, about units you wouldn't expect that would be good. And yep. one of those was Oklahoma State's secondary. Yep. And they were good. Uh, so yep. that, was, that was a great... Good catch by you. And you. Uh, basically all of them are coming back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so they are. And, and, and okay. that's one of those things where, like, against TCU, they didn't allow. I mean, I, I think Pro Wells had a long touchdown, if I remember right. I mean, I was at that game, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, th- they didn't allow TCU to do much, you know, as far as long passes down the field. And I think um, with them coming back and with Spencer Sanders, Turning into apparently like Mike Gundy's like platonic ideal of a quarterback. Uh yeah, Oklahoma State's going to be frightening, Parker. Yeah. But they're gonna be really good.
0: Um, I, I think so, and I think them coupled with uh two 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 things. One, Texas is uh made some hires and looks to improve their defense and then kind of has that you know, they have talent on defense. They were they were young and injured last year, and they have um that senior quarterback mm-hmm. I think the the quality of those two is going to put a real wrench in Oklahoma and probably challenge Oklahoma for the first time to not make it, yep. um, because OU is going to have a new quarterback and it's you know Rat- Spencer Rattler on all accounts is very good and he's been in the system and been learning, but the probability of just continuing this run is you know increasingly small every year, more and more volatility. So I think I think just just because there's two really experienced teams. With Iowa State lurking not too far behind, sure that um, o- Oklahoma is going to have a-, a harder path to the Big Twelve championship game than they have had potentially ever. Yeah,
1: and also, and I can't stress this enough: um, Kenneth Murray is not there, and the Bad Band can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> That's true. Um, he That's true. <laughs> he was incredible at linebacker, and without him, um, you know, it's going to be really really hard for Oklahoma to uh, replace him.
0: Yeah. So. Well, you think about it, just in returning production in the Big 12, uh, man, Kenneth Murray and Jordan Brooks both being gone is yeah. a weight off of people's Not Not really for TCU, because Jordan Brooks went out of the game and things got way worse. But uh, in general, those two guys not being there uh, is, mm-hmm. is giving some offensive coordinators some size of relief.
1: Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, so where's TCU on this list?
0: So TCU uh, is 64th overall. Um okay. they're bringing back 75% of their offense and 51% of their
1: defense. So that's I'm guessing like losing Blacklock and 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 those guys and Gladney. Yeah, so, I would so that's
0: expect. a little misleading because you you lose Blacklock and Gladney that doesn't really speak to capable guys that have been you know that were hurt or, or only played portions of the season. Mm-hmm. So like marrying didn't play the full season. Mm-hmm. Um Hodges, Tomlinson didn't play the whole season. McKendrick yeah. Van Zant didn't play the whole Van season. Van Zant is yeah. Noah Daniels is lurking in the... Yeah, man. That's funny. I was I didn't mean to say that, but Noah Daniels is lurking in the corner. Um, and he's, he's a <laughs> top flight corner as well. So defense, I think, is going to be a lot better than, than the returning production says. And then on offense, um, they're losing 100% of their rushing. Yep. And that doesn't speak to... DeMarco Foster's huge thighs, which are going to be very capable of, of running the ball.
1: T-H-I-C-C, DeMarco Foster.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, the,
1: <laughs> the, uh, Darwin Barlow, coming Darwin back, Amari DiMarcato, <laughs> coming back, everybody running back as well. That's going to be really, really fun to watch,
0: DeMarco but yes. Foster's thighs. Um, the, am, am I wrong? Is it Barlow or is it Foster that's like ridiculous?
1: No, I think I'm golly. I'm They're almost college football I running backs. I think it's foster. I'll make sure that this is a shame. But, I, I got to remember yeah. who has the biggest size on the team. Um, <laughs> I'll but, but yeah, no, but,
0: but then you look at like wide receivers, okay, tons of drops, and then yeah, you lose Rager, and literally, we just like threw the ball to Rager, but our passing offense was terrible. So we're, of course, losing a lot. Tay Barber didn't play the whole season, you know, mis- misleading. Like, the Texas game is what TC's offense should be, and the returning starters from that are not the ones that are really getting counted in this so it can be a little bit misleading every team i'm sure can explain away some context but i really feel like tcu uniquely as long as they're not at the very bottom you're bringing back a quarterback you're bringing back an amazing back seven um if you could find a pulse at on the defensive line uh specifically in the defensive end i think that these numbers are going to be misleading
1: for sure by the way it's barlow i want to give credit barlow okay on barlow who has the
0: I'm sure Foster is huge too. I don't mean I, to, just, but but like Barlow's thighs are comical.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying anything mean about uh, about Demarco Foster. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I think it's the offensive line that's going to be the most troubling part because they didn't get any consistency last year, um, and you lose in the end, guys like that. Coy McMillan is really the only returning consistent starter by all mm-hmm. accounts. Great leader, uh, great guy at center, but. Um, yeah, I agree with with everything you said. It's just that consistency of the offensive line and losing four guys that held starting roles when they were healthy—that is going to be a major problem.
0: Definitely, and there'll be some there'll be some growth. And like, I'm worried about going to Cal at the beginning of the season because mm-hmm. Cal is bringing back a ton. Um, their not defense, Evan Weaver though, which they're is not good. bringing back Evan Weaver. So yeah, that's that's a good point. Their their defense has been consistently awesome. They're they're very similar to TCU. Justin Wilcox out there running a. Uh, I think they run the the three three five or the tight front, but a very similar defensive minded program. But they bring back a ton of offense and a really consistent defense. So that game worries yeah. me. We'll get into the schedule preview, but um, yeah, well, you, you, I'll I'll say
1: I'll say this for Cal judging by Bill C's numbers, uh, Bill Connolly, which are both citing you know the god, the legend, yeah. or whatever. Cal returns the most on offense in the country, ninety three percent. Only half their defensive production, a hundred and fifth in the country. So very interesting. Interesting.
0: And they ended up the season. I'm going to look at their SP plus number, which I should have. Uh, Cow.
1: I never in the weeds, but I know. I think we both have a huge affinity for uh, Wilcox.
0: I like Wilcox a lot. Uh, yeah, with a good offensive coordinator, I wouldn't mind if he came uh-huh. and left Berkeley.
1: Yeah, uh, Texas private
0: school funding is definitely better than California state funding. So, is that true? I just want that to be true. I, um, who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> Who can know?
1: Uh, Chip Kelly's getting a lot of money. He coaches for UCLA.
0: That's, that's true. That's probably he's he's probably getting paid. Um, I can't even find Cal on this. Why am I? Cal was seventy uh, fourth in SP Plus. Their offense was ninety fifth. So take that for what it's worth. They're bringing back a lot of it. If you believe in the narrative of improvement and growth, um, they were good. Do you remember last season? There was a little glimpse where there where the Kansas State Cal Wake Forest LSU playoff was still yes. alive. Yes, I think that was in like up until like week five or six. That was a that was a reality, um, which is really I, fun.
1: So I would have paid money to see that happen. Um, that's
0: that's yeah. what I want.
1: Yeah, I know. Hey, um, Parker, yeah. can you do me a favor? Again, can you explain something to me? Again, okay, because I'm an idiot. And here's what I want to know: You wrote about a football version of Corsi. Corsi, yes. Okay, is that named after Lee Corso?
0: Okay, no, it's not. It's named okay. after this uh, hockey guy who has a great mustache. Literally this, this finance guy who loves hockey came up with this possessions metric. um, And he named it after this bench coach for the Bruins, I think, who just has Mm -hmm. this crazy mustache. Uh, I literally think his name's Bill Corsi. You should perfect. Um, No. Yeah. So so I I put that out. I am just how many times last season and in general in college football, did we hear about time of possession wins games? You got to hold onto the ball. You've got to establish the run run the clock score. And then, you know, the other team can't score. Um, that, that way of thinking is just outdated. And, and so many people cite time of possession, a, a sports analytics service that I will not name loves, uh, loves to cite game control and they use time of possession. Um, and that's their game control metric. And so, you know, we need something better because, because we can go to a corner solution. You think about, um, if I hold the ball for 60 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, like, I didn't just run it for three yards every time. What happened? Well, I scored a ton and you fumbled literally every time you touched the ball. That's why I held the ball for 60 minutes, right? So I didn't win the game because I held the ball. I won the game because you were a comically bad team and I was able to score. doesn't matter if I was able to score fast or slow. I was able to score and I held you from scoring. So Mm -hmm. Corsi in hockey is a measure of control of productive drives. And so I just translated that, ripped it straight to football and looked at scoring opportunities So that is your first down inside the 40. So a drive gets tagged as a scoring opportunity once. If you get a first down inside the 40, Mm -hmm. Uh, someone asked me on Twitter. So it's like, if I get first down on the 39 and get sacked for five yards and then sacked again, and then punt, it's still, it's still one scoring opportunity. You just blew Mm -hmm. it. Um, And if I get another first down in the, in the scoring opportunity, it's still just one. So of course he just looks at the share of scoring opportunities from, or or who controlled the most share of scoring opportunities. So it's just how many scoring opportunities do you have minus how many your opponents had divided by total. And it gives you a really good idea of game control and dominance. Who had the most productive drives? There's two limitations there that I I need to tweak because obviously big plays. So if I score from my 20, as opposed to getting a first down or scoring opportunity, that's not going to count in Corsi. And so a team like LSU, kind of got downweighted a little mm-hmm. bit because they had more explosive touchdowns. Um, and then the other thing I need to look at is tying that somehow to actually finishing those drives mm-hmm. because teams like TCU, um, TCU got a lot of scoring opportunities. They got a lot of field goals. Mm-hmm. And so kind of figuring out those two pieces are still left, but it's a really nice way to look at, you know, I don't care about total yards. I don't care about how you move the ball from your 20-20 to the opponent's 20. I care about if you got close enough to score and when you did, what did you do? And so this gives you a nice metric of how well did I create scoring opportunities and how well did I prevent scoring opportunities in the form of a nice ratio.
1: Okay, so I know EPA exists in football, but what you're saying sounds a little bit different and it sounds a lot like in soccer, the metric expected goals, where you worked the ball to this position, here's where all the players are on the pitch. And this is the chance that you had, uh, the average player has, of scoring from that position. And yes. as a Tottenham Hotspur fan, I could attest a lot. We've been uh, our my, our players only score weird goals that should not go in, whereas we give up a ton of expected goals, but either people miss against us or Hugo Lloris makes a great save. So Tottenham will have lost expected goals, 3.2 to 1.0, but we'll tie the game, you know, 1-0 or or we'll lose 2-1, something like that. So is that kind of Similar, Yeah.
0: And okay. so the, the thing that we're working with right now is football is football's a lot more chaotic than soccer mm-hmm. in the sense of everyone's actions are always coordinated and correlated with each other. Mm-hmm. So soccer, you're able to isolate. This guy has the ball at this X, Y coordinate mm-hmm. and he kicks it at this angle at this speed, kind of like in baseball where they do that. Yep. Um, and, and when that happens with these defenders in the area... Then it's a goal X amount of the time, right? Right. Really, really granular stuff. Really awesome. Would love to have it. Next gen stats is something ESPN just rolled out this year. I don't know if you saw people on Twitter joke about the dots.
1: Oh yeah. They're like, oh, just Very watch fun. the
0: dots. Um, yeah. Th- those are next gen stats. They're doing live tracking, and uh, people love to cite like completion percent over over expected, and kind of some of these more these better expected metrics. I don't love those because it's harder to one in college football we don't have that granular data. Two you're not really holding a lot constant. I, I I want a tracker on the ball that shows me spin rate, angle, velocity, yep. like everything. And then we can start doing that. So what we're trying to do here is just say, you know, kind of go one level back and and, and more, it's akin to like hockey or soccer of entering the zone. Okay. And zone entry is a really important thing in hockey. How many mm-hmm. players are there when you do it? Um, what's your success rate when you do? What's your shot rate? And so that's kind of, this is kind of an intermediate step of just saying how often are you entering the zone and giving yourself a scoring opportunity? Cause most thriving offenses, once you cross the 40, you should get points. Yeah. Um, and so saying, okay, how many, how many opportunities are you creating for points? Translating that to expected points added is a little tricky because expected points added is based on down and distance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, and yard line. And so if you get across the 40, you have first down at the 40 and 10. Well, everyone else has that too. It's, it's bound, right? You can't, You can only add a certain number of points because your expected points right there is like three-ish and the most you can get is seven uh or or six really because we don't care about the extra point unless you can get a six so really all you can do is add three points so it's bound and so there's there's some mathematics we got to think about there because it's not just a a continuous distribution it's it's literally censored um so that's probably two in the weeds for where we want to go but i don't know as I, we're building listen, up to I, that...
1: I enjoy all of this. This is very entertaining. As we're yeah. building
0: up to that, we have this really nice possession control, and, and it works out pretty well. So, unadjusted for opponent. Top 10. Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Utah, Boise State, Michigan, Florida, San Diego State, Notre Dame. I have no qualms with that.
1: No, I don't either. San Diego State's interesting, but I don't have a problem their, with it. Their
0: defense was really, really good, and their yeah. offense was confident enough that they... Um, they, Yeah. Because, of course, you could be really, really high because you let your opponent have zero scoring opportunities and you get one, mm-hmm. right? And then you're going to have 100%. That's going to be your ratio. Uh, or it could be really, really low, vice versa. So San Diego State just didn't let people have scoring opportunities.
1: Um, Bold strategy, but it seems to have paid off for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were they were good.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, they were, for sure, for sure. So,
0: yeah, there, there's opponent adjustments. There's there's translating that into finishing drives and there's accounting for big plays. But I think this is a really nice step. Getting away from... I, you know, I just get so... It's cool that people can do like multi-level models and XGBoost and all this machine learning, but I don't think we have the data for that right now. And so I'm trying to say, let's cover our bases. Let's go a little slower. Um, I'm cooling on EPA a little bit. I like it, but I'm trying to put it in more context than just a single metric. Uh, The more I read about it and the more I just think, I don't know, opponent adjustments are weird. I don't know what to do with it. It's a good descriptive metric, but it's weird predictively. So. I mean, um, this is
1: this is like staying, leaving the police, and going yeah, solo. Exactly. I mean, I, I I I just that's that. By the way, that's the most up to date reference I could think of. Uh, yeah. Beyonce leaving the uh, the uh, the the Pussycat Dolls. No, that's not the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, Destiny's Child and going solo. Parker, um, I cannot believe you're you're leaving E.P.A.
0: I'm not I'm not leaving it. I'm just saying it's it needs to be in context. It's a really good descriptive. Like, what okay. did you do? But it by itself, you know, decimal points like oh, these guys are 0.4 EPA better than the other one. Well, was like, I don't know how much 0.4 is. we got to investigate that. So the more I read about it, the more I just think we need to contextualize it. It's really, really good to help us understand what you did on the field. What we do with it is kind of, we just got to
1: okay, question that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I believe you. Um,
0: okay, that was me rambling about stats. I want to do the last segment here, something that I'm very excited about. Um, I have been thinking about like, TCU conspiracy theories or hot takes or counterfactuals. And here's the best one I have. So I want to Mm -hmm. throw it at you and we'll just very quickly. I want to, I just want your response. Okay. Shea Olaanolua should have been a defensive end from day one. Okay. I don't think it's that hot uh, in terms of the take. And I know that he was asked and said, I want the ball in my hands. I want to to run the ball. Um, I think that was a mistake for him individually because... Look at how defensive ends are getting paid in the mm-hmm. NFL right now compared to running backs. And I two, wouldn't pay a
1: running back bus fare to the stadium, Barker.
0: No, they have to they have to pay me. Um they but but so he he would have gotten paid a lot more in the in the NFL. And then also I think for TCU, uh, more reps for Darius Anderson wouldn't have been a bad thing. It wouldn't no. have been worse than just having Shea Woe. And then second, uh, a high caliber defensive end, which I believe Olana Lua had the talent and the speed and the physicality with a couple more pounds to be, would have been way more valuable than two running backs sharing the load.
1: I agree. Do you know why? Because I certainly don't. Why was Sheawell running kicks back and not like Darius?
0: I don't know why. I, I don't know. Because it was I mean, weird every time I saw it. He's quick. He did fine. He is he quick, fine. for sure. I think it was a hands thing, if I had okay. to guess. probably yeah, he just does like have the, great hands. The, the, I yes, just don't does. want someone to screw this up. Because yeah. last year, if I remember, De Mercado was was returning kicks and mm-hmm. was decent at it. And just like, fair catch and not do anything stupid. Or, you know, get a couple yards when you can. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder if he just filled in naturally because of that. Anderson might have been worried about getting injured or something because he's a little... Smaller than Shewa, which we're all yeah. a little smaller than Wo. Sure. But if you think about like Anderson development wise, what if he was the only running back? I think he would have been a lot more valuable. Um, and so that that really is interesting. Also, what if the wild frog wasn't an option?
1: <laughs> so what, you what you're take saying it is off that the saying? Table. <laughs> if Shewa Alonalua was a defensive end, TCU would have been forced to figure out what to do in the red zone.
0: Got to develop a red zone. This is like Moneyball when he, uh, when Brad Pitt makes Jonah Hill go trade Carlos Pena so the manager can't play him. Yes. That's what like I want to do. I'd be like, no, we just trade him. That's this, fine. He's really valuable. Uh, I like him. Uh, He's going on the defensive side, so you can't do this
1: anymore. A butterfly flaps his wings and TCU beats SMU.
0: That's what I'm saying. That's okay. it.
1: Can uh, I give you the – so I, I like that take a lot. Can I offer you the the galaxy brain version of that take? Okay. Jalen Rager should have been a defensive back.
0: Okay, I have heard this in good faith. Uh, <laughs> like Jalen Rager dropped a pass and 30 dudes in sunglasses on their avi on Twitter are like, he should have been a defensive that's he should be on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Um, did, no. No. Did you play did you play NCAA 08? Yes. Okay. Anytime I threw a bad pass and the defensive back didn't catch it. Like knock it down, didn't make the pick, whatever. Lee Corso came on and said, that's why he's not a receiver, basically, because yes. he didn't have the hands. And <laughs> so I, that always stuck with me. But uh, but yeah. imagine Jalen Rager just... Imagine Jalen and Jeff Gladney locking down yeah. any passing game. Here's,
0: here's what I'll say. Jeff Gladney could have been a good receiver, a fine receiver. But uh-huh. if you look at, like, Baylor last year when Jalen Rager caught the ball three yards in front of the line of scrimmage and then just... Ran past everyone and scored a touchdown and won the game. Yeah, Jeff Gladney can't do
1: that. Yeah, you're right.
0: And Jalen Rager can't lock down corner. He can be a fine corner. He can't lock down corner. So that's one of those that's like, okay, that's getting that's too cute by half. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> this is a new game we play called <laughs> like Hot Take versus Galaxy Brain Take, uh, yeah, where you offer it's, up something well, semi reasonable and I go, yeah, and also
0: we should we should end on this, but it's it's the text message I sent you two weeks ago where I was just like. I thought about that guy on orange bloods who said, F it. I'll say it. Let's hire Lincoln Riley. Like, I just want to find that take. So it's, it's, we find a reasonable take and then try and find that, that orange bloods version of the take.
1: Yes. Right. It's a, it's, uh, it's, it's horned frog blitz versus orange bloods. Yeah. Yeah. But,
0: but then you, I mean, if you really want to go through this, like I was talking to somebody the other day about who's, whose offense would you want to pull the best defense? Like if you had to create a defense from an offense, who would you want to pull? And that's going to be interesting hypothetical for later, but it made me think of the image of like Carter Ware is a linebacker who showed up to the wrong place on the first day <laughs> and everybody just kind of went with it.
1: Why do you love Carter? You ha- you, your love affection with Carter Ware is my favorite thing about it.
0: Because Car- Carter Ware is like the the asphalt on the streets we drive. Like it's there and we need it, but it is just so obviously utilitarian. Like that's, that's all it is. It's like, we're going to make you fill this very specific role and do these things. And then he caught a pass. Like,
1: it was just Folks, great. I call Carter Ware John Stuart Mill because he really appreciates utilitarianism.
0: Uh, Carter, I think Carter followed me on Twitter at one point. So uh, hopefully he's a, a listener to the podcast. Hopefully he does
1: not um, unfollow you on Twitter.
0: Carter Ware, an open invitation to come on this podcast. Please do. Anytime. Um. All right, Grant, That was um, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad to be podcasting again. We yeah, we'll get this out probably tomorrow afternoon, so um, people can find you on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. Uh, yes, that's like
1: MC it So many
0: vowels. Yeah, um, and I am at Stats O War, and uh, yeah, we will uh, see you next time.
1: Y'all stay safe out there.
0: Wash your hands.